And we're off. Back again. Back with my, not my priest, but my beautiful wife in the house, <gasps> Stephanie. Hi, everybody. And Gianna, sleeping She's in your little swaddle thing. My lulla baby. The best purchase anyone ever got me is the swaddle. I would disagree. I think that thing is... Remember one day you left the house and I have like the big, oh um, yeah, the big black. But the wrap, it's like, thing. how did people survive without the wrap? How do dads learn to put that on? We that should create horrible. a man wrap for men to wear the baby. But I think we could get a better strappy backpack for you. Honestly, I've I've thought about it a lot. There's one that I see in church that looks way better than ours. I, if I was so. going to make one, I would make one a little bit more like some more utility to mm, it. Mm. Like I'm not a fan of um, the cell phone with like the, the outside the pocket, like on the belt loop. You can't you know? really get it. It was like the, it was like early 2000s. Um, but when I'm wearing that thing, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I wish I had a little cell phone pocket on this so thing. I know that's, that's my shout out is Patrick's like vision coming true as a father. All he ever wanted ever since I met him was to wear that backpack. And honestly, if you see us in church, Patrick asks me every day, um, can I wear her to go over Steve communion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Stephanics got us that. Yeah. <clears throat> that was their, their it's gift. The and best. I was so stoked. Um, anyway, shout out, get, shout oh, out yeah. Chris Stefanik. I, uh, I yeah. was so grateful. He brought me on. Um, he's kind of partnered um with the ai on doing a show and i i got to go over there it was really weird they put on makeup and stuff but he looked so good um <laughs> it was super authentic genuine i i love chris um because even as we were leading into it he's like look i don't want to talk it's kind of like our podcast i don't want to pre-game anything and let's just see where it goes and so uh that was a lot of fun i was truly honored um obviously i I'm a big Chris fan. So that was really cool. I love it. I who's love your, it. Who's your shout out over here? Uh, my shout out is the Subri family. Oh. I'll have to tell them to listen to this. But Pamela Subri, I just, you know, she leads our Bible study. I just love her. I've known her since first grade. And then her daughter, Maddie, was my best friend since first grade. And uh, Morgan and John and now the babies and they live in my neighborhood. I literally am neighbors with my first grade best friend. I just want to shout them out. I'm so grateful. It's you, gr it's cool to have people in your life for that long. I'm lucky. You had like a guilt trap right there. What do you mean? Like, I, I had to name everyone in you the family. Did. And then you were about to lead to like the postman that shows up to their no, house. No, I had to name everyone <laughs> in the family, man. I'm going to make it. them it's listen stressful. to this. It's stressful. She's when listening you get on to the Bible in a Year podcast. And we, she talked about it today and how much she loved it. And she was, we were just saying, it's like, where is, where are more people like Father Mike? And it just, Schmitz. it's so true. It's like you, you know, we take for granted, even Lords. I mean, we're we're grateful. We, pretty cool what we have. So it's pretty interesting. I think that's actually um, was not planned on our topic here, but the the thought of. Where I want to go, obviously, we have Seek coming up this weekend. Um, Father Brian was recording something for that. He's a, a breakout speaker for the Seek event and kind of want to dive into that here in a little bit. But for somebody that's been in focus, has been a missionary, lifelong Catholic, it's very um, intriguing. And I don't think a lot of people would know when you reference, you know, Pamela leading the Bible study, it's not 
I th- are you the only Catholic in that Bible study? No, there's um, other Catholics too, but a lot of people who have kind of left the Catholic church and gone to um, Flatirons or other churches. So it's a mix of people. Um, but yeah, it's a group of 15 plus women who we've been meeting for three years now, I think. And I absolutely love it. We actually follow the Bible study through Flatirons. Um, and I've shared it with Father Brian and, you know, Chris and you. And I, I think it's so important because, you know, we need to come together as Christians. That's my belief. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like, the truth of the Catholic Church and how we, you know, we do know scripture. And there's just so many misconceptions because a lot of people are have been hurt or had a, you know, a bad experience. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that. I am pretty adamant in the fact that um, the Protestant world, especially when it comes to small groups and Bible studies, is a, a way better job. They do a better, yeah. They're more welcoming. They make the questions just easy, relevant. It's really easy to lead because it's just they pop out a video with questions and an easy scripture passage, and it's super easy to replicate. But I know people in the Catholic Church are trying to do that. Um and I think we're getting there. But yes, we can definitely learn from those churches, like uh, from Flatirons. And their sermons are great, honestly. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. obviously came from Red Rocks, but um, there is a lot to learn. Even like, I always joke with FB, I mean, at Lords right now, I think we've had an ad in the newsletter for um, child ministry, like coordinator or whatever. And it's been super hard to... <laughs> Oh, there's the little one. We may have a guest, a guest speaker on this one. Um, young Gianna. We're okay piping here. In. Just, just rocking her to sleep. It's talking about uh, finding someone to organize children ministry, but it's wild to me. I, me- I remember when I was at Red Rocks, they had wait lists to get, to be a part of the ministry for children. And um it just was like a no brainer. So it, it's very interesting. I think there is a ton to learn there. And um, I think they just do a great job of coming together in like true relationship, ultimately super welcoming. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good lead maybe to oh, the topic. Taking my, taking my job here. FB couldn't be here. He, uh, I think he's reading another like 300 page um poem right now um no it was just one of those weeks that uh we were both just going in so many different directions and um so i'm so grateful to have steph here and recording at nine o'clock at night it's the best here we are here we are um but yeah i think it's uh so seek 2022 happening this weekend and obviously um or maybe not obviously but steph has a journey through that entire process being a focused missionary i'm excited to kind of um (laughs) experience my second ever seek conference the first one was in indianapolis in january and if i ever find out who planned that i would love to have a conversation with them because well it was a great event but the city is what you're mad about uh yeah i don't know anybody that I've ever met that preferred to go to Indianapolis in January. Well, it was the convention center. There's plenty of convention Remember centers. Remember the sushi restaurant? It's, I'm sure there's a convention center in Maui and 
I'm just throwing that, that out there. That would be fun. Let's do one in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly my point. There's a lot of places with convention centers that are not in Indianapolis, but this one is kind of a virtual gig. So it's kind of a, it's going to be very interesting. Steph's stoked because she got an alumni pass to attend all weekend. Um, so that will be a lot of fun, but it's, um, it's such an in- inspiring event. Um, and just so many complexities because I still try to wrap my head around that whole journey that you went through, but coming out to see you, I know you had a, a job offer from PepsiCo was on kind of one track. And then next thing you know, you're going into your parents' house saying you're going to be a focused missionary. And what was, how did Suzanne Giltner take that in the household? She was always very, my mom was always very supportive and asked the concerning questions where appropriate, such as, (laughs) you know, how are, what do you mean you're going to fundraise your salary? <laughs> Legitimate question. No, she, she was always very supportive. My mom is a very spiritual, good Catholic, prayerful, holy woman. And she was very supportive and, and asked questions that were totally fair. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I think it's... <laughs> mom, are you listening? <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't be mad. Um, no, but I mean, there was... We didn't really know. And, and yeah, I think... I guess my... I was honored that my husband wanted to hear this story for the podcast at 9 p.m. But I think my my message I hope to just get across is like, you know, when I reflect on that time in my life now, the I remember I always used to write this quote in my journal called it, I wrote two things, believe in what you pray for and be convicted. And I just think that that's both of those things are so hard in our world today. And so I guess my, I hope people take away just to have courage to follow God. And if he puts something on your heart to just trust it and go, even though it can be scary. How did you go from basically getting a, an awesome job offer from PepsiCo to then getting to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to be a focused missionary. I think it's wild that you sign up, you don't know where you're about to go. Um, the controller in me would just struggle with that so much and, you know, wanting to be in the right spot to make this work and being comfortable. Um, how did you get to that point? Were you already aspiring to be that and PepsiCo showed up or was it kind of vice versa? No, I had accepted Pepsi in December and went on a retreat in February. And at the retreat, I was invited by Anne, who was a focus missionary at CU Boulder. Um, God bless that woman. I know she was praying for me and always inviting me to coffee and trying to help mentor me. But she invited me on this retreat. And one of the days was actually being in full silence and adoration. And that can be intimidating for people coming into the faith especially my husband over here. <laughs> yep. But I, I mean, I do believe, you know, it's so important to spend time in prayer and in silence because your mind can calm down and that's where you hear God's voice. And that's what happened to me on the retreat. And I just really felt strongly that he was kind of asking me to put aside my idea of success and my plans, most importantly, and just surrender completely and totally to him and to to 
trust him. Um, and I had never really understood that until that moment and what that really meant to just kind of give up everything and trust and go. And the power of prayer is it gives you strength and courage to believe in what you pray for and be convicted and make crazy decisions like give up the nice um, new salary and apartment in Seattle and fundraise to go somewhere and be a missionary. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a wild journey that I just, you know, I'm sure if, when you hear my story, it's probably the same kind of like, <laughs> wait, what? Um, but I think, so once you ended up... You went to adoration and in silence? For a full a day. And yeah. Um, Patrick? Yeah. Um, but, okay, so you, you end up, accept, what do you do, accept a job with Focus or... You go to an interview weekend. Um, there's, it's a lot of prayer. You meet with a lot of people. They ask you really you know, deep questions. It's a completely different interview process. And then you get accepted as a missionary and then you go to new staff training in Florida at Ave Maria University. And then you basically receive your placement after six weeks of training over there. That's basically just like Catholic Disneyland boot camp where you have Scott Hahn come and just big speakers come and teach you and just get you pumped up and feel like you're literally changing the world, which is really cool. And you're around 500 other people who are doing the same thing. And then you get your assignment and you meet your teammates for the first time. And then you uh, move in together and go on mission. What's the expectation? Is there an expectation of how long you're in there? It's a two year initial commitment. Yeah. And then you just, Kind of after that, it's whatever you want. But other college campus ministries like Stumo is a popular one. It's four years, or you know, they're they're longer. Like I have one of my really good friends in college. She did Stumo, and she went in for four years and then stayed. I think an extra two or three. That's a question. So, I want, that's a question I want to get to. It's crazy. If uh, can we make a note of that? But you, so you get placed at KU. And shout out Father Mitchell from KU. Yes, he's um, the chaplain at KU St. Lawrence Center, and he has had such an impact on my life. And shout out Stacy as well. They have they have a really powerful team out there. Father Mitchell has done a great job of organizing that. Um, and I just love him because he's he's just so real. Um, but so you get placed out there. You're now with all your teammates, and the expectation being two years. You have a one year dating fast and and in that time especially in that first year what is i mean you you've gone in from this 6 week crash course at Catholic Disneyland to now all of a sudden it's like what is the real realistic expectation that first year gosh good question i'm see i have to remember all these things but yes part of the commitment when you become a missionary is to go on a dating fast which could sound weird to some of the listeners if they're not aware no i couldn't think of anything better dating fast fundraising your own money this yeah we're crushing it sign me up but the way that it is presented is allowing you freedom to really honestly invest in your relationship with God and serve the students that you're being placed at. We all know it's distracting if you're a single um, 
person and you're trying to date, it takes up a lot of energy. So you go on a dating fast. Yes. And then what was your question? So then when you're on campus that first year, I mean, you're out of your comfort zone, you're in a new location. You know, you may not know anybody in that area or not even know where the grocery store is, but what is like your data? Like, are you trying to just get in front of as many people as possible? Every day you do a holy hour in mass. Prayer is at the root of everything. And you spend time with your team because you invest in the team. And one of the most influential things I actually ever learned in focus was um, that Shannon Zerker, who is a missionary and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman and someone that a lot of people I think look up to. She did this whole thing on the Trinity and how you, you know, true, we're all called to dwell in the Trinity, basically meaning, which Patrick hates things like that because he's like, what do you mean? But what it means is that the father loved the son so much that the love between them is the Holy Spirit. A man loves, and it's just kind of these Trinity circles, this way of thinking. So a man loves a woman so much and the love between them creates a child. It's basically just true, selfless, self-giving love creates life, basically. Um, and so if you're resting in that and you're, and you're giving in your friendships and your relationships like that, then that's what God is calling us to do. So with that said, people model what they see. So if you're not friends with your own teammates and dwelling in the Holy Spirit, like I just said, and living out of that love, it's really hard to come to Jesus because if a student comes and see all sees all the focused missionaries not getting along and being mean to each other, why why would they want to? Why would they want that? Basically, yeah. So, a huge part of the mission is to exemplify what it means to really love another person, and then they can begin to realize what it means for God to love them. That's tough. I like so so much coming up for me as you're <laughs> talking about this because most people haven't received real love. I mean, that's what's sad in their families and then their by their parents. That's what I learned, you know, being a missionary and getting to know these students' stories. It's like you just realize we're broken, and how can someone understand God's love if they've never experienced selfless love? How do you? How do you? Now that you've kind of lived that. Um, now that I'm saying this and re- I'm just having a gut check here and realizing all the areas I'm failing at this right Yeah, now. I mean, you're so mean to me. No, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know. It's it, so hard. Yeah. To truly like, there are work dynamics. There are um, life dynamics that it, you know, I, it sounds um, something you want to achieve. I want to achieve, but it is also like, you basically like, I really want to print like a three by five card and have that like in football, you a quarterback will wear the uh, plays on his arm, like on his forearm. And I'm like, man, I want like my daily reminders before I go into every conversation to just focus on like loving the other person as opposed to being triggered or confrontational and, and that kind of stuff. Cause it, you know, you can go from Ave Maria with 600, whatever it is, however many kids in training and everyone's on fire and Scott Hans firing you up. And then all of a sudden you step outside and you're like, I love the world. And then a biker cuts you off when you're walking down the path and you're instantly mad again. Like it all goes out the window. Like it's hard to rewrite and we rewire a lot, all everything you've gone through your entire life and mm-hmm. the natural triggers. 
Absolutely. And no one can do that without a lot of work on themselves, probably therapy and God. And that's the truth. I mean, that's what I had to learn as a missionary is I'm not a therapist. I am not God. I am simply supposed to be a tool of God, maybe to get them to the right place. Do you think there's a stigma um, in the Catholic world around therapy? I think we've come a long way. I think, I don't think it's just the Catholic world. I think it's everything. You know what I honestly think, though, is that I think people equate spiritual direction to therapy in the Catholic Church. That's true. And that's <laughs> not what spiritual direction is supposed to be. Um, so I think that's where they misconstrue. Like, I, you know, spiritual direction is supposed to be someone guiding your prayer life and kind of showing you ways that God's speaking to you through your prayer and whatever. Um, very, very important and totally necessary. But therapy is teaching you how to heal and understand your wounds and all sorts of things that these people go to. I mean, that's a, I probably didn't even define it right there, but that's where I think Catholics get it wrong. Or yeah. confession, like confession's not therapy. Right. I guess that's kind of more where... Um, I think it's I, a step for therapy though. Oh, sorry, continue. No, I mean, I think, you know, we're both huge advocates of therapy, but... I need to go. I, <laughs> I think that sometimes I feel like it could be easy to say like, um, how do I put this? Like God is my therapy. Like scripture will get me there, all that kind of stuff that just... Um, the word alone. Mm-hmm. Versus, and then so it's like, okay, well, if I'm doing that enough, then I don't need something like therapy. Mm. And I think you're right. Therapy in general is um, not common and accepted. Like there's a lot of walls that come up with that. Um, but I often kind of wonder like, is there this like um, idea that because you go to prayer and confession and mass that you can you don't necessarily need therapy um but okay so then the one thing i've always been intrigued with though is like something i've learned in my own experience of church life is the hours and the demand right like this is not a nine to five job you have to meet with people when they can meet so students are in class in my life, like people are working, you're trying to do a lot of lunch, dinner, events, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, most of the time of the NFB schedule, like it could be a lot of dead time, um, nine to eleven thirty, and then one to five or whatever it is. As a twenty-two-year-old, though, taking on some heavy conversations, trying to mentor, disciple, do all this kind of stuff. Did you experience or do you see a lot of burnout, emotional or truly physical burnout um, when you're really living that life? First, I should want to say, though, that with anything like this, I think it's hard and burnout is very likely. Like any type of mission work or work in the church, because it's so intense. It's your whole life. It's your beliefs. It's everything. So, to answer your question, I absolutely experienced burnout, and most people that I've that I've talked to have felt that. Um, and a lot of people I know who work in the church still have felt that. So I think that that's a really real thing, but I think it's really preventable. 
Um, I start I started going to therapy when I became when I was a missionary my second year. I, I realized I needed to unload everything on someone else because I there were things that weren't healthy with my own mental health. If you if you're carrying the burden of other people, that's A, not what God wants. He carries the burden and B completely unhealthy. Um so I got into therapy and was introduced to the book Boundaries, which started circulating through Focus. And now everybody's all about boundaries, I think. <laughs> and I think that's really important as a missionary if to implement them. And I think they're getting better. I, they're, they've brought therapists to training, I've heard, and they push for therapy. So I definitely think that they're doing a really good job of addressing what you just said. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, but the, yeah, that's real though, 100%. I mean, because I feel like that would play into what you were saying too of like, you have to live what you are preaching. And when you're on a team and you're, you're burnt out, you're struggling, like day to day, it's just got to be a challenge and trying to overcome like the initial emotions and focus on coming from a place of love. That's um, crazy to me. Um, yeah, but I think that as you were talking and as I'm just thinking, reflecting on all this and even thinking about my life now and ways I've kind of gotten sucked into just the mundane things of life. If you're a real disciple of Jesus, which is means legit, a follower of Jesus, you never, it's, you're never off. So how do you live as a disciple and understand that that's just, who you are and it's not something to be burnt out about like that's the question i think and i don't really know the answer but i think i mean we see priests all the time who are burnt out and you know you know who doesn't ever seem burnt out is the sisters of life they're always so joyful and free it's who knows but Whenever you're around them, you're like, holy cow, what do you have? I want that. <laughs> totally. And I think it's because they have structure in their day. It's like a whole day of boundaries, honestly. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, it's yeah. kind of like the analogy of when you're on a plane, it's like you put the oxygen on you first before you go to help anybody else. Yeah. And so trying to feed yourself. And... What if we put boundaries on Gianna? <laughs> nice. Um <laughs> doctor put boundaries on you today you gotta stop sleeping in, on that floor in there i can't i'm the worst of i can't do the cry it out thing but yeah i gotta pretty much every night steph will the baby starts crying i look over she's like oh, i just can't take this i'm taking my blanket and i'm gonna go sleep on the floor uh doctor really put you at boundary on that one today that was awesome but how the other one i'm circling back to uh you know, I know your friend that was in Stumo and um, was in it for four years, committed to four years, ended up staying on for two. How do you know when it's when you're done? Like, because I feel like once you get in and acclimated, your I bet people could find comfort in it or like some form of security, although it's chaos day to day. But how does somebody know it's time? I can only answer it off of how I knew it was time for myself, but so I don't know how you know, but I, but from my experience, I think that specifically college ministry, 
you kind of grow out of it, like actually helping people on the college campus. You know, like my grandpa, that would be a hard job for him to do, a 67-year-old man. <laughs> it's like maybe he would like that, but I think you grow out of it. I don't know for sure, but day-to-day going to like the college parties and the sororities, it's like you kind of just grow out of it. So with that said, you know, can you do it forever? I guess you can. Patrick's laughing at me. I guess you can. But for me, I kind of came to this thing of like, even just after two years, I was like, you know what? I think I'm called to kind of just go out a little bit more into the world and not have my day be so structured and planned out with like, can I survive in the world and still be a disciple and still evangelize? And yeah, I think you can for sure get comfortable in the mission because you're, you become surrounded by people who are thinking exactly like you. So it's just, super awesome because you're just always around people who are just like you and who are on fire and I think that's great but I also think it can be a little bit dangerous because then you start to lose touch of what the rest of the world is feeling and seeing and hearing so I guess the answer is for me I kind of felt this tug in my heart to not not go toward more comfort and explore what's the quote if you're comfortable you're not growing or something i think that was baltazar (laughs) (laughs) um i shouldn't have said that comment about a grandpa. there's probably like a really good grandpa missionary on campus (laughs) like csu cruising along Um, i think grandpa you'd be great okay continue i just yeah um (laughs) i'm moving past that one um yeah you know i think it's there are so many good um, amazing traits though, that you also like, I think it's interesting when you look at your, um, resume Mm. and like your personal resume and how every time I've ever heard you present your resume, you have to explain focus Mm. and most people don't know what it is. And two, it brings up these questions, but there are so many skills that you've learned through that experience that may or may not be true behind a desk life, you know, like work life experience. But as brutal as I think the fundraising aspect of your own salary would be, you really learn a lot of life lessons through that, that I definitely do respect. Yeah. Also, I kind of weirdly like fundraising my salary. It was cool to share the mission with donors and basically it's like a call to action for the donor and then they feel really pumped up too. And it's a direct tithe. It's kind of cool. Um, wait, so what was the question? I got, I don't, well, even to that point, like I don't disagree with that, but I think it's, it gives you an opportunity to tell the story. That was the thing with the resume. It gives you an opportunity to share your faith every single time you share your resume or if you're meeting at a fundraising, it's an opportunity to be bold. For sure. It is. Um, a hundred percent. I, th- I actually probably was going to say right there, the, um, you're, you like the fundraising aspect. Dang it. I forget. Um, oh, I wanted to say something right there and now I'm blanking on it. Anyways, uh, it will come back to me. Um, so you have that opportunity to explain that every time. And, and yes, totally. Oh, that's what I would say. From the standpoint of like 100% agree with you, 
but are you also someone that that ability to go um, encourage a donor, share the story, all that kind of stuff? Could you do that with any um, apostolate or mission or whatever you want to call it? Um, or at the time, and even possibly now, like you were still so passionate about focus and that mission. I didn't really know any other missionary or apostolate that I would have done that for. But if you are touched by something, then you tend to be able to do that. So like there's one, there's multiple that I've learned, like St. Paul's Outreach is one that some people have just had a wonderful, you know, they're on fire for that. Then they want to be a St. Paul's missionary. Um, Culture Project, Emily Layuza was a campus minister at St. Lawrence and was part of that and all fired up about that. So yeah, I think I could have totally done that. But what touched me was focus specifically through Seek. It was really powerful to go to that conference and, and the retreat, see other students have a very powerful, truly powerful encounter tr- uh, with Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, through the Eucharist. And to really believe that Jesus is in the Eucharist. And then if he's really in the Eucharist, that matters. Like that, that changes your life. And you need to share that truth with other people, basically. If you really believe that. And I think that's actually what happened in the adoration and even in focus was I was like, do I really believe this? Because if I do, this is, I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> You know, yeah, crazy in a good way. Crazy in a good way, but you then I have something to do about it because if people don't know this, they're totally missing out on God's plan. You know, I think that's why. I mean, what was it? Bishop Barron came out with like you know, and all these stats were flying around in the last couple of years that like some crazy high number of people don't actually believe in the presence um, in the Eucharist, and there's just that disconnect. Um, that yeah, once you do experience it and you believe, then absolutely it's something to get out there and share. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, the Eucharist is the most controversial. I I feel like Curtis Martin or somebody said one time it's the most controversial belief out there, basically. Like we are saying that God literally gave himself up and is now physically present in the the Eucharist in the in this bread. He becomes this bread. I mean, if we really think about that, it's like that is unbelievable. And then we eat that and he's inside of us physically. It's that's the whole thing with the story of salvation and Scott Hahn. It's like I'm not an apologist or a scripture scholar, but if I can just if I just take five minutes of my day and really think about, man, is he seriously in the Eucharist? What does that do to my life? It's pretty powerful to just kind of think about that. Especially on a on a college campus where you're being put to test all the time. And there were crazy things that would happen. Like I remember one time a student who I absolutely loved who kind of came to faith at KU late one night she's like let's go pray in the chapel and and we go into the chapel and as we're walking in it was like the weirdest thing this very creepy lady came by and just stared at us uh, like kind of demonic it felt like there was a demon or something and both of us were like what was that and then we went inside and it was like you know what the devil i mean spiritual warfare is real and he hates that we're praying and he specifically hates the Eucharist because that's Jesus Christ and that's salvation history right there, you know? 
And so it's power. It's really powerful and um, poor, can change people's lives. Poor Jan, the cleaning lady, walking out at <laughs> 10 p.m. and jeez, no, this was all weird. Dusty Jen Mar cleaning the Jen Mar, who also after that she became a missionary and she was sent to Vanderbilt. I shouting her out right now. She can vouch. We send an email. We still talk about it. She'll be like, remember that lady who came by? It was so creepy. That's but there funny. was always story, crazy stories like that. What's the, um, so I guess in your case, you decided to leave after two years and you went into, um, you know, throwing around your resume and finding work. But what are the other avenues that you, that you saw that were prominent? Like, you know, we always talk about, or the priests always talk about, there's such little um, seminary, an amount of seminarians now and priesthood or, um, you know, from what I've been told for going on mission, is that what you're talking? No, like kids that graduate and move on from focus. Yeah. How many, did you know a lot of people that went into priesthood? Did you know a lot of people that went to the AI? Did you know, like, what's the natural trajectory outside of that? Yeah. One of my teammates became a therapist. The other one is a teacher at a Catholic school. Another one started his own home building business. Um, and my team director is actually still in focus, but there's ways to kind of move up and f- move up and focus, which sounds weird, but he, um, well, it doesn't sound weird, but he's a region. I think he's a regional director. I, I would need to check or an area director who manages other team directors and missionaries on the campuses. Um, I did have a couple friends go into seminary. Uh, a couple of them have dropped out since then, but some of them have stayed. I've had a couple friends enter into becoming nuns. I myself stayed at the Sister of Life retreat house and discerned that for a little bit. Um, and you know, I think I would have been a good, a good little Sister of Life. <laughs> um. Anyway. What else? So yeah, those are kind of the ways they do. So one person did Family Missions Company, which is another mission organization, and they send teams, specifically families, to like different countries, and they evangelize the country, like that area. So I went on a mission trip to Taiwan, and we partnered with Family Missions Company, and those missionaries had made relationships with all these people in the local community of Taiwan, and they would help share the gospel with people who have never heard the gospel in Taiwan. And we literally would go from house to house in these slum villages and ask to pray prayers of healing over these people and pray for them to accept God into their heart. It was like crazy, like things you read about in the Bible. <laughs> um, so there's other missionary things. Patrick laughing at me, but that was, it was cool. It was hard enough to put in Indianapolis. Now go to Taiwan really and pray me. healing prayers from house to house. Um, yeah. yeah, so those are some avenues. Do they train um missionaries on like next steps or yes, um, Monica Kerber was a bad a, bad oh a b a I stopped nice. myself, yeah, she would coach us on how to like write on our resume what we did and make it like transferable skill sets, okay, and they ran they have like a staff departure kind of retreat conferencing where everyone comes together and it's called go forth and they kind of inspire you to go forth into the world. (laughs) Seriously. 
Nice. And then they have these alumni weekends. Where what? Which we're about like, to go to right now. Oh, that's now. it. That yeah. yeah. All weekend seat. You get conference. to see everyone and network. It's awesome. It's the best thing ever. Everyone <laughs> should be a focused missionary. That I mean, that was going to be kind of the next question is do you think I mean, I guess the answer is always going to be like, if you feel called to it or God's calling you to it, but um, that it is for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. Um, Absolutely not. Nothing is for everybody. But I think if you are touched by it and you're moved and you feel called to help by sharing the faith on a college campus, it's totally worth it. The one thing I've always kind of thought about with focus, and it's kind of towards wrapping it up here, but when I... What I did experience, despite the fact that I was in Indianapolis in this crazy convention center of people running around with their like, hair on fire, but I did look at it from the perspective of, especially when you hear of all the numbers where we're losing so many, so many more people to the faith than we're gaining. And, you know, I think there's majority of the churches you go to, um, Catholic church, churches specifically, it tends to be a much older demographic. A lot of people um, really kind of pleading to get, you know, their kids, their grandkids into the church. How do we loop them in? Kind of that whole perspective. I did see it though, as like, man, this is, I think you're going to have that gap of the 24 year olds to the 50, but there is this, and obviously folks have been around for a while, but it's growing at such a pace that do you think that is something that will feed? and help rejuvenate Catholicism in the United States? Yes. Yes. Because you think Curtis might be listening or because you really think so? No, I totally think that they're impacting. Like even my little sisters right now are in a college-focused Bible study and Maggie, the missionary, goes to their sorority girl's house every week and leads a Bible study and their whole house attends. And now all those girls are coming to seek and their grand littles and it's super awesome. And they're having a, an encounter with Christ that they probably never would have had. Most people fall away from the Catholic faith in college. And I think it's, it is definitely bringing back college kids to their faith. And I do think it has a lasting impact on you. I really do. When you, that's every single student I know who got involved in college is still practicing their faith. There's not one person that I honestly, I can't name one person who was a, became like a missionary disciple, like someone who was really in and was getting discipled every week by a missionary who's like seriously dropped off. I mean, of course, people aren't perfect. They sometimes, you know, who knows? But as far as I can think of right now, everyone has kind of kept their faith. And what about focus did that? Was it the community it's the or was one it one-on-one actual... one relationship of someone mentoring you and actually caring about your life? Like imagine being in college if some cool football guy, like Coach Cabral, literally it's what Coach Cabral does, came up to you and said, like, hey, let's meet every week and I want to hear about your prayer life and I want to challenge you to go deeper and challenge you to do X, Y, Z. And you also really liked that person and liked hanging out with them and they were doing that and living a certain way, it would have a lasting impact on you. Um, I mean, think about the mentors in your life. It's literally like them, you know, Steve, Cabral. That's why it works. It's the one-on-one -on -one relationship. Yeah. 
at it, the same token, <clears throat> a one-on-one relationship can really damage you. So if, if there's brokenness, then that can be bad. But if you're authentic and real, then it can be really powerful. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Like even when you say that with like my own mentors and you say Coach Cabal and stuff like that, I think there's for sure people that speak to you. Like some people could be um like amazing at what they do and acclaimed of like being the best mentor of all time, but they just don't land. Like and and you know this, like I'm on a kick right now of a certain um businessman and he speaks to me and probably wouldn't speak to a lot of people because he can be kind of aggressive, all that kind of stuff. But it's, that's what lands for me. Um, so it's interesting to hear you say that of like, I guess when you are in that setting at some of these student centers, it is just kind of like you're feeling out who resonates with you. Yeah. And I, I, come, I came to believe and I still believe that God does put people in your life for a reason. If they're in your life and it's horrible, there's a reason behind that. Maybe you're learning a lesson. If they're in your life and they're great and inspiring you, God, like God, there's intention by the people that are in your life. Each person is a living soul. And that's kind of the perspective that you come to have. And I was come to have, I came to have as a missionary and I still have that. Um, And I think that what you just said plays into that, that, this speaker that you're obsessed with right now like became into your life with these videos at the perfect time. You know, we don't need to get into that right now, but I'm just saying (laughs) it's like each thing happens. And I think God is putting that in our life. Um, something, you know, each yeah relationships and people it's really hard but i think god has intention behind it that's i mean that's kind of that could probably be a whole nother podcast but like even at that point as you're saying that i was thinking like why am i embarrassed to say who that is um and it feels like it almost feels like you're cheating when it's like oh yeah i listen um and you know listen to the audiobooks and content of somebody that's not in the Christian Catholic world, you know, and it's like, I don't know. To me, sometimes it feels like a pressure of like, I need to say, like, I'm only listening to Scott Hahn. Yeah, that's, and that's just going back to being authentic because maybe there's someone listening to this who needs to learn that the person you are obsessed with is Gary V. <laughs> yeah, Gary Vanderchek. But that, that is something that I've had to actually through Gary V that I've learned. Like, I also don't. You can't be afraid. And I don't want to judge myself because I think to your point, um, I don't want to be my harshest critic on that because I feel like God has put him in my life right now. Like I'm not, I outside of truly, and I've said this, I'm very open about it. No one in the Catholic world truly resonates with me besides maybe Chris Stefanik and obviously FB, but FB is not like a speaker on Instagram or any of that kind of stuff. That nothing was really landing. And so I felt like this may be a little deviated from the path of like Catholic speakers, but it is feeding me and I can take it from the lens of being a Christian. And do you feel like he's helped you in your faith? A hundred percent. And I think that matters. And then that's where, I mean, just to tie this all together, the Eucharist matters because you can be moved by different people all day long, but that one single truth never changes. That God gave us this 
the Eucharist, the Mass, and wants us to participate as a family. And so if we can do that and come together and then be inspired by these people who are moving us, then we can we can build a beautiful church. That's I think that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, okay. But you can't be afraid to be who you are. That's the issue. You have to be authentic and you can't put on face. That's where we get ourselves into trouble in any church or in any environment. Um, <laughs> seriously. No, I, yeah, I don't disagree. I think that's... Now I feel like we're just having a pump-up marriage talk right totally. now. Totally. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I'm going to go run through a wall right now. Yeah. Um, no, but I do... Um, I think that is something that... Um, I have felt that I'm just also still just working through on my own of like pressures to act a certain way, be a certain way, dress a certain way, all that kind of stuff that is like, why? Yeah, and why? Yeah. Who are you trying to please? Like that again goes back to the mass and the Eucharist. If you can truly put your identity in God and know that you're part of his family, he's given you this gift in the Eucharist to come back home when you feel lost, then I think you have courage and strength to be who you really are. Yeah. And then and I'd why rather do you care? Why do you care? And I'm telling this to myself too. It's like, why do I care what people think? I am human. I make mistakes. I, I hurt people too. Like we're nothing. We're not perfect, but that shouldn't make you afraid to be yourself. Right. Because we do have our faith. And I would rather fail trying something I'm that I authentically believe in, in that moment, mm -hmm. than fail or succeed living by somebody else's rules. Absolutely. Because then you're living a fake life, pleasing somebody who does not matter. Right. I mean, this right. goes back to the whole thing that you and I have been talking about in our life is just, who has the power to speak into your life? Right. It's a select few of people, but we just allow everyone and their mother to speak into their life these days because we can, we, everything is accessible. And it's so toxic, I think. I think there's only, it's God and a select few people who really should be able to speak into your life. Totally. That you really take seriously. Yeah. And that truly know you well enough, right? Like there's so many layers to, the, everyone's backstory that for someone to just come in and, you know, even if myself, like giving just any advice, like, I don't know what somebody's gone through that is having them make that decision in that moment. Right. That decision I could critique, but I also don't know what their childhood was like. Right. And that whole story. So allowing people in, in a certain select few, um, is extremely powerful. And it's, you know, it's like the, uh, one of the greatest poets of all time, um, Tupac said, only God can judge me now. <laughs> it's true. Take that. And FB. it's like, not everything is uh, revolved around us. So other people might have to like leave or separate or whatever, because of something that's bigger than just you. Like, uh, you know, it's not everything revolves around us. And that's something that I have been reflecting on a lot recently is like, you have to let people be who they are and then that's okay. Not their decisions shouldn't affect me so much. Yeah, you can't take that burden on. You know, not in every situation, but then, you know, obviously there's if you were making really bad decisions, it would affect me because I'm your wife and that's different. But we know what we're saying here. Anyway. Oh, I love it. We better tie this up before yep. we just continue on. Um, I'm stoked for um 
seek and, and exploring that. I think, uh, it, like I said, it is virtual and, um, <laughs> the podcast actually father Brian and I were, I'm super grateful. This is funny to me. Um, focus reached out. We are one of the featured podcast podcasts this year. We, um, submitted a podcast that at some point it's unique to seek, but at some point we could, uh, produce it, but they have the rights for, I think a few months afterwards. Um, but it's funny to think that somehow I'm looped in to this Catholic world of craziness. Yes. Just remember when I first met you, you were not a Catholic boy who was not excited about going to see. <laughs> That's right. And here we are three years later. See, God puts people in your life. Yeah. Which is still funny though, in all fairness, I still am like, all right, Steph, so... Uh, That's actually the power of focus. Literally you. Like, seriously, it's relationships, one-on-one relationships. That's how people come to, the, come to know Jesus Christ. It's through one-on-one relationships. I would, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the one-on-one relationship I had, though, was because when I was at Seek, I was having panic attacks because it was too wild. <laughs> and Father Mitchell was there. And a one-on-one, we went back and watched a basketball game. And I just vented about what I was experiencing. Yeah, see, that's another example. Meeting you where you're at. That's right. Versus and me, I, I was s- like, come on, get it together. Let's uh, yeah. go see St. Gian Vianney's heart. Gosh, you were like, I want to go watch. I need to listen to the fourth cup talk. And I was like, what is that? I'm out of here. I'm going to go have my fourth cup down at the pub down the street. I mean, All right, care. we got to wrap it. This anyways, is hilarious. Here we go. Um, so yeah, anyways, <laughs> somehow we are a featured podcast at Seek. So I'm, we're super grateful for that. Um, and super grateful for all you guys. It's so weird when anybody says that they listen to this thing because we kind of just hit publish. And next thing I know, someone has listened to it. So we're so grateful. The growth has been unreal. Please email us, um, rant at lordsdenver.org. And um, let me know like the important things. Do we bring Steph back on or do we kind of, you know, put her on the back burner? Do we put FB on the back? I don't know. You know, so I need your guys' help. Um, And we'll go from there. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Steph. You're welcome. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to me. Gianna's been asleep this whole time. Except for a few cries, I'm sure you heard. If you actually knew, we tried to record one earlier and Gianna was losing her mind. So this is round two. But anyways, (laughs) we'll talk soon.